We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an off season this year, so that was different, but feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea, and you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Good evening and welcome to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura and the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion Gerard Cherry with you tonight. Big show. You're going to hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns and you're also going to hear from Browns punter Corey Bohorquez who's having a heck of a season averaging nearly 50 yards a punt. He is an interesting fellow. You do not want to miss that one coming up later here in the program. But Gerard, we start coming off of a win for the Cleveland Browns, 13-3 over the Ravens last Saturday. The Browns have now won three of their last four, their best four-game stretch at any point this season. What were your big takeaways from the win over the Ravens? One, we beat the Ravens at their own game. And what's that? That is playing a physical brand of football, running the football, wearing your opponent down, playing field position, and limiting the amount of scoring that has taken place. We did all those things, but we did it much better than them, hence why we had 13 on the board and they only had three. And you probably feel the same way I feel, Nathan, that it probably should have been 27-3 to as opposed to 13. Yeah, and some of that comes down to the offense being able to finish drives, and and some of that comes down to special teams and field goal kicker Cade York making his kicks. Gerard, uh, he's struggling in here in his rookie year. He's missed a total of 10 kicks between field goals and extra points, obviously drafted the first kicker taken, drafted very high in the fourth round. He's given us some great moments, the 58-yarder against Carolina week one. He's made, you know, four kicks of more than 50 yards. What are you seeing from Cade? You heard some of the things. I don't know if you've seen or read some of the things that he said, but sounds like a young man that's that's searching a little bit and, and needs to, I think, just trust his talent that got him here. Yeah, you certainly got to do that. And the only thing I would say from an adjustment standpoint is, there's nothing wrong with coming down to the stadium and practicing your kicks here on a daily basis and getting a sense and feel because really that's what it's going to boil down to. And I will give him credit because when I see him on the sideline, I probably interact with him from a eye contact more than anyone because he tends to be in the areas that I'm walking totally. around. And that's you right. understand that from experience as well. Yep. That he doesn't seem phased. He doesn't seem frigid or any fragile by any stretch of imagination. So I still see confidence, but obviously if you're missing kicks like this and he's probably never experienced this amount of lack of success, it can get to you. But the best advice I would give him is kick your way out of it. That's the only way you're going to get out of it. And don't doubt your talent because ultimately this is a learning process. And as you're seeing, many of the great kickers have come here and failed. The best to ever do it. What did he do this past week? He had a kick blocked and he missed one. Right, he missed two in that one. It was uh, and for the first time for him since 2018 that he missed two kicks in a game for Justin Tucker, who has been simply sensational. Only the second time since 2015. 
Cade York, we got to get that figured out. Hopefully we will. You mentioned, though, the Browns beat them at their own game. I thought one of the best defensive performances of the season. Yes, you gave up some yards on the ground, but in the red zone, you stop them on a fourth down. You force an interception, Denzel Ward. John Johnson, the forced fumble, and recovers it himself. I thought this defense had played well, and really – Gerard, the defense has played pretty well since week seven, which was the first Ravens game. Right, and, and and with that, Nathan, what I really noticed that was really pronounced was this was examples of guys not getting blocked by one person, but beating, defeating the block, and then making a tackle. You saw a lot of that, and I know it's hard to say how in the heck do you see that when they almost got 200 yards of rushing, but when they need to get the stops, they were doing that. And when they need yep. to create a third down and long situation or third and short and stop it or fourth, and need to stop it. They did just that. So obviously numbers can sometimes not tell you the full picture of what went on in the course of the game. Because like I said earlier, I can go with Ben, but don't break. Okay, great. You get a lot of yards between the 20s. I'm cool with that. Just don't go beyond the 20. Right. You're exactly right. And that's what the Browns defense certainly did in this one to get the win. Nick Chubb, 99 yards rushing. And for Deshaun Watson, more improvement there. He was 18 to 28, 161 yards, one touchdown. First game without an interception, 91 rating his best of the season. We've seen his rating go up 20 points basically each week from the 50s to the 70s to the 90s. Gerard, what are you seeing from Deshaun Watson? I just see more sense and feel of the game itself and getting accustomed to playing football again at a higher level. And when you think about it, he played against one of the best defenses in the league and he yep. held his own and he didn't struggle. So that right there is a great sign for encouragement. I see more command as a leader. I see more dictation of hey guys hey you go here you do that you do this and you do this in this situation and encouraging guys getting on guys case when they need to be reprimanded and doing all the things that a leader should do from accountability standpoint I saw all those things on display and then if you want to talk about passing the football nowhere near what we saw week one far storm balls into the ground worrying about keeping it low so he doesn't sail on them none of those things took place as well as doing what he does really well which is making things happen off schedule all those things were only on display. And then pre-snap read. Okay, these dudes are about to blitz me. You know what I'm about to do? I'm about to take off and pick up a key and crucial first down. You're exactly right about that. And it feels like, you know, the last two weeks, Cincinnati and this one, you can still see that he's getting back into it. But he's made throws that are some of the best throws we've seen a Cleveland Browns quarterback make in, in a long, long time. I mean, we talked about it. We talked it on CBD about Rolling to the right, far hash, throwing all the way to the left sideline on a rope to Amari Cooper. Perfect pass to get Cooper over 8,000 yards. He had the ball to DPJ in Cincinnati that was, DPJ said, that ball caught me. Uh, very impressive stuff from Deshaun Watson. For the Browns, a couple of Pro Bowl announcements for the third straight year. Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett, all three going to the Pro Bowl. That's the fifth straight for Batonio, the fourth straight for Chubb. It is the fourth overall for Miles Garrett and the third straight. You got real consistency from that trio, Gerard. Oh, you certainly do. And those guys you just mentioned, what they do, they make plays. They're consistent in what they do and what they bring to this football team. And one of the reasons that we are able to compete at the highest of levels is because of what they do for us on a weekly basis. They have been excellent on the season. You know, Joel Batonio has given up one sack all year. Nick Chubb, 1,252 yards rushing, 12 touchdowns, both third in the NFL. Miles Garrett, 13 and a half sacks. That's third in the league, 65 pressures. That is first in the league. And he's the number one graded defensive player, actually the number one graded player, period, 
at Pro Football Focus. All right, the Saints come to town. They are 5-9. and nine. They have won only two of their last six. They are 2-4 and four during that stretch. Uh, it seems like if you kind of look at their season, they win one, then they lose a few. Win one, lose two. Win one, lose well, two. Good, win dude. one, lose two. <laughs> and they just won. So they have not followed up. A win with a second win at any point this year. In fact, every win has been followed by three or two losses. They are 0-6 outdoors this season. And if the game time temperature is less than 24 degrees at kick, it will be the coldest starting temperature for a game in New Orleans Saints history. And I think that feels like a lock right now. But it's a team with a lot of names you know. Certainly on offense, Alvin Kamara jumps out at you defensively. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, the Honey Badger, Marshawn Lattimore. We will not see Chris Olave. Their young rookie receivers had a good season. We will not see Jarvis Landry, unfortunately, who was a two-time Pro Bowler with the Browns. Um, but wh- what do you see from this Saints team? What challenges do they present? Well, the guys, you, <laughs> I would love to rave about their passing capabilities, but I can't. And the reason why nope. I can't is obviously the weather conditions won't dictate or allow it to take place because you explained earlier, Dalton, to his credit, has been balling, and he has some yep. guys that can flat out fly. I think about the tight end for the Saints and what Jawan Johnson has done. Been very impressive. Former wide receiver, now converted tight end. He's a baller. Then you look at Rashid Shaheed. Don't sleep on him because you can make the argument that I, you might. I mean, Olave's the first-round draft pick, so he's going to get the love. But it's fair to say, Nathan, I think Shaheed might be more explosive than Olave. He might be more explosive, Alave, obviously more productive, 63 catches, 940 yards, and three touchdowns. But Shahid, 15 catches, 334 yards, two touchdowns. That's 22.3 yards a catch. He also has three rushes for 50 yards and a touchdown, 16.6 yards per carry. He scored on each of his first two touches in the NFL. The young man out of Weber State or Weber State has had a phenomenal season, and his name rhymes with speed. The Browns are going to have to be aware of that. Rashid Shahid has been phenomenal. Jawan Johnson, you mentioned him, seven touchdowns. That is second among tight ends in the NFL this year. Just incredible stuff from those guys. Dalton, 17 touchdowns, seven picks on the year, 67% completions, 98 rating. Over the last four weeks, his rating is 117. That is number one. In the NFL. Defensively, Demario Davis, we had him here. Let him get away. Mm. He's been nothing short of sensational for this team, for this defense. Has a career high right now in sacks already this year. Six and a half, Gerard. What makes Demario Davis so darn good in the middle of that defense? Well, one, just a sense in the presence of where he's supposed to be, be it pass or run. And when he gets to the point of attack, guess what he is? Aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Yep. And he's one of those guys where – I think that 245 to 250 range is like the perfect spot, I think, for this day and age of the NFL because you're big enough to handle a guard or a tackle pulling at you or center, and then he still has the speed and ability to get into the pass drop lanes and be effective there too. So you're seeing all those things in his game. Hence why he's a captain for this football team. Yeah, and he was named to the 2023 Pro Bowl. He is the Saints' lone representative to the Pro Bowl this season. Demario Davis, a phenomenal player and certainly a guy, great guy. We really liked him when he was here with the Cleveland Browns. When you want to attack this team, uh, they've got a young man, Paulson Adebo, who was their third-round pick in 2021. He's struggling a little bit in coverage, but I'll tell you what, Alante Taylor, their second-round pick out of Tennessee this year, has been sensational in coverage. Ten passes defense leads the team, just a 60 rating in coverage to contrast that. Adebo is at 124 rating in coverage. All right, so that's what the Browns, if they're going to throw it, 
That's who they're going to go after. But I feel like this game is going to be all about the running. We will talk about that, the challenges of Taysom Hill, and much, much more. We're going to go around the league when we come back. But fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here at First Energy. Tickets are now on sale, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff. Call 440-891-5050. You're listening to the Kevin Svansky Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Be sure to check on that before going to the game on Sunday and and be dressed warm. Don't be a hero. Gibbe said it. I agree. Don't be a hero. Be warm out there. All right, let's go real quickly before we go around the league because I, I, I got to hear Gerard's theory on the stock up, step up going into Saturday's game for the Browns. Gerard, who's got to step up? Yeah, it's really simple. Anyone who's in that interior of the defense is going to have to step up because we're running the football. Everybody's running football. So stock up is anyone who has a defensive tackle or LB next to their name from a description of what their position is. You are going to have to step up. I figure the cornerbacks in this game will probably get a lot of rest. Now, if they're smart, what they'll probably do to the Saints is create a lot of tight motioning situations where it forces the cornerbacks to be the force guys in situations or create one-on-one tackling situations, Kamara or Ingram or Johnson versus the cornerbacks. I can see that taking place as well. But also, no, this is a copycat league. So that same pulling right tackle play that you saw against the Ravens, guess what you're going to see this Saturday? Oh, yeah, you're going to see the things that same worked. Play. Absolutely. <laughs> things that worked on tape, you are going to see those there. Who needs – whose stock is up? We t- said who has to step up, whose stock is up. Well, the fact that he's back on the football field, I should say step up, but I'm going to give him stock up because having him back on the football field will hopefully help the running game, and that's Ethan Posick. Having him back, and hopefully he can return to some semblance of the form that he had earlier in the season, Nathan, because it's no secret when he left, the running game fell off. Yeah, no doubt. He was the number three center at Pro Football Focus. Ethan Posick back in action for the Browns. That should be a good one there. All right, we said we got to go around the league. You got a theory. What's your theory? Talk to us about the Jets here. Zach Wilson starting, Mike White being out. It ain't really a theory. It's a statement, and I'll make the statement again. All yep. of a sudden, Mike White doesn't have lacerated ribs or anything like that and goes to multiple doctors, team doctors, mind you, from what I heard, and all of a sudden he can't play. That speaks to me that you want your second pick overall, that being Zach Wilson, on the football field. And what better way to sell it to your football team and not have mutiny and by simply saying, oh, the doctors wouldn't, would not approve. Very simple to do. So for me, I think guys are hip to that and aware of that. And you saw him lose last week. And granted, to their credit, Wilson played better and he even admitted he made some mistakes and had fallacies in his game. But ultimately, when you start playing games like that as a player, you don't appreciate that, especially when you feel that Salah's been nothing but legit to these guys and upright and, and for real. So you think that the, the story that he's got multiple rib fractures, that he talked to 10 doctors, no one would clear him. And, and according to this one, this is NFL Network's Ian Rapport, not team doctors. They wouldn't clear him. You think that this is 
a Jets conspiracy I totally to reinstate <laughs> Zach Wilson. Totally. Totally. But the guys love – they love Mike White. They're wearing his shirts. I know they do, but I'm saying they rather have – did Mike White want to play? Yeah. Was right, Mike, but if you don't get cleared, you don't okay, get cleared. You don't need to get cleared. You, if you want to play, you can play. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Gerard. All right, so let me get – but, again, they're in a playoff hunt. They've been a better team with Mike White. Robert Sala, I would imagine, it's not like he's Bill Belichick where he's an established coach. Don't you think he wants to go to the playoffs? See, this is what I love because here's the deal. Sometimes you think what you're saying is all logical, Nathan. It totally is and rational. Yeah. But a lot of football people aren't that. They're going to play the guy who's responsible, who they feel is going to be their ticket, or the guy who represents their, their job security. Or simply put, they just like that guy because he's that guy. Those things, unfortunately, I've seen, especially in bad organizations. And granted, the Jets are not a good organization. They've been a bad organization for a long time. And I don't think it's completely cleared out the room all the garbage that Salah has to remove. So that's why I can say with some bit of certainty on my part and conviction that it wouldn't surprise me if what I was saying was true. It, I, it's, it's fun to talk about, that's for sure. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Robert Salah seems like a stand-up guy to me. We'll find out, though, at some point. I want a 30-for-30 30 30 on this narrated by Gerard Cherry. For NFL GM signing players, the salary cap keeps things from getting out of hand. Spending limits can also help when you're gambling. So set a limit before you gamble, then stick to it. Get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. When we come back, the head coach here at Cleveland Browns joins the show. You're listening to the Kevin's The Fancy Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Joined now by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And coach, let's go back to that nice division win over the Baltimore Ravens in the snow what was that game like for you on the sidelines? How did you kind of, what did you take away from it as well? Yeah, you know, all these games are unique. They're always a, a different challenge, and, and there was some things in that game, especially what they do offensively, that, that make things really difficult. So knew it was going to be tough, uh, but I saw guys stepping up and making big plays, big plays when they mattered. We had an interception and a forced fumble on back-to-back defensive plays, which was great. Offensively, uh, going against a really good defense uh, you know had some moments that that were really good had some moments that we need to be better uh, ultimately you want to go score some points but move the ball at times and, and really looked uh, like ourselves which was great and then I really thought special teams was outstanding I, I think we were great in the coverage phases uh, I know we can be better at, at field goal and I know we're going to work at that sure. and, and that's part of kicking in some tough conditions but just the coverage units uh, our punt team uh, just was was really really good so what do you do when, when you want to beat a good team in December, you play complimentary football. You play smart, and I thought that's what we did. Let's start with the defense there. Bend but don't break, right? They gave up some yards, but in the red zone, Denzel gets an interception. John Johnson with a stop in the hole on Big Patrick Ricard on a fourth down. When you can do that, you keep people from scoring, right? And that's kind of the key. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, it is. And, and listen, there's a, a bunch of different ways to win. Um, you know, you say bend but don't break, and it makes it sound like you want to bend. Uh, you don't want to bend, but uh, it's such a playmaking game. And a fourth down stop is a turnover. And to get a fourth down stop on their first drive felt like a turnover. Uh, so those are the big things where if you can play great in high leverage moments on the third down, fourth down, in the red zone, you can play great defense. 
All right, offensively, I want to talk about a couple of plays. The first being you do kind of a, a boot to the right. Maybe it's a little bit of a waggle, and he throws it from the far hash, an absolute laser across the field. Was that kind of one of those wow throws for you that say, okay, this is where you know we can unlock anything? Yeah, that was a, a very impressive throw by Deshaun. Great catch, great route by Omari. And, and though that's the example of – you know, when you say a quarterback can throw it to all areas of the field, it doesn't get any longer from like a driven throw, intermediate throw type of perspective. So that was really impressive. Uh, I thought Deshaun in total had some really, really good moments in that game. I thought he saw things clearly, made good decisions with the football. Uh, but that one, that one stands out. Let's talk about the touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Was that something that you guys maybe saw when you were watching the, uh, the Bengals Chiefs that looked very similar to what they did with Jamar Chase out of the backfield? Against the Chiefs, and it just occurred. It, it to me wasn't, that. but yes, okay. uh, let's change. Yes, it was something we saw. No, I mean, th- those when you get down there con- conceptually, a lot everybody kind of runs the same plays, and and you have different variables off those plays. So the way we teach certain plays, I know, is different than some. Uh, but ultimately, all you're doing is is moving people around the board, moving pe- different people in the spots, and put Donovan in a spot that he hadn't been uh, yet. But uh, what I th- loved about the play was Deshaun was just true to his read. It's not like you put Deshaun. It's not like you put Donovan back there. You have to throw it to Donovan or something like that. You really stay true to your read at all times. I thought he did that. And is the goal in there to see how do they respond to him? Is do they treat him like he's a running back? Do they treat him like a receiver? And he was able to kind of bend it out and then cut it right back in as the linebacker kind of drifted with him. Yeah, it's always you know you try to do things certainly offensively that look hard to the defense but are very easy for you. And, and that was kind of in the mode of instead of motioning you over and keeping you in a normal wide receiver spot to run this route, let's just put you in the backfield. And it worked. So I like that. Talk about the ground game. Struggled early, and it felt like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but from watching it, it felt like we switched from a lot of the slower developing pin pool type stuff to more duo straight ahead zone and got downhill, and that seemed to work. A little bit. I think what happens is you're so specific to the opponent you're facing. And we just felt like there were some opportunities in that personnel grouping and some of those run types that were maybe a little bit quicker hitting. Uh, some of them hit from the gun more so than under center. Uh, so it, it just it depends on who you're facing. I will say this: that front is really good. They're really good versus they're really good period. Uh, but they they've traditionally for us and for most teams, all teams, uh, have been a tough front to just get up and 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 battle against one on one. There are times, and, and we did it late in the game, uh, when, which was great uh, to be in a four minute when you have to. They know you're running, and we know we're running it. But early in that game, you know it's going to be a, a tough fight. Well, Nick Chubb's 91 and 99 yards against the Ravens are the two single highest of the season for anybody. Hmm. Nobody told me it was 99, by the way. So I was begging our stats guy on the broadcast. I'm like, let's, get, let's let it be 100, be the first 100-yard rusher against the Baltimore Ravens. All right, you mentioned special teams. Great job against Devin DuVernay, who had had that big punt return in the first matchup. And in this one, Corey Bohorkas, he's been sensational, really, of late, Coach. What have you seen from your punter? Yeah, Corey, sensational is a great word. I mean, he's been bombing it when he needs to bomb it. The coverage has been there. You know, so much focus goes on to the punter and to the kicker in those phases, but it's really the operation. It's the, it's the snap. It's the punt. It's how the guys cover. It's how the gunners are doing on the outside because it really does take all 11 guys when you're talking about punt coverage. But the way he's hitting the ball, and in, again, in some tough conditions, he's been in Buffalo, he's been in Green Bay. This is kind of He's used to kicking, punting in some adverse conditions. It's majestic. Some of them are just majestic is the word. He's been incredible. Another, another good word. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead to this week. You mentioned some unique things in offense 
from the Baltimore Ravens. You're going to get some unique things in offense from this Saints team. And I imagine we're not going to talk about weather. I think you probably talked about that enough. But I would imagine that, you know, we've seen Taysom Hill season high, 17 snaps at quarterback week 11. We could see more than that this week if, if he can't throw the football. What challenges does he present? Yeah, you know, they do a really nice job. He's a versatile football player, and you can really just list the amount of jobs that he can do. You can line him up at quarterback, and when he's at quarterback, think about the things that you can do. He can throw it. He can hand it off. He can read run. He can put him on the move and throw it. You can line him up at running back and hand it to him. You, he can block as a tight end, and he can run routes as a wide receiver. So for us, it becomes how do you treat him when he's on the field? And then the next question is, okay, is Andy Dalton also on the field? Because then that presents its own issues. If Now he's the only quarterback. There's a certain menu. So you really, really got to be clear about who's on the field for them, not to mention are they three tight ends, one tight end, those, those type of things. So that's where they do a really, really nice job of mixing personnel as you watch them play. See about see how many guys are running onto the field, playing and play out for them. Very rarely you play some teams that just live in eleven, and that's just what they're in. This team is not that; they're mixing it up. So, just from a personnel standpoint, and then and then as important, maybe more importantly, from a quarterback standpoint, being able to run many different offenses uh, within the same offense. Yeah, I was just watching last week. They had Trevor Penning, their rookie, twenty-four snaps out of their fifty-five as an as a sixth offensive lineman. That's that's unique. Yeah, very unique. Uh, again. Where I give them credit, they're just trying to be difficult to the defense. They're making you put your different personnels out there. They're making you communicate, uh, and they run sound schemes out of all these personnels. Chris Olave leading the team 940 yards. He's been impressive, but it's been two guys that are a little lesser known. Rashid Shahid, he's got averaging 22 yards a catch, had a big ball, 68-yarder from Hill last week. And then Jawan Johnson, I mean, I don't know how much money you could have made in Vegas if you said who would be second among tight ends and touchdowns this year behind Travis Kelsey. Jawan Johnson, seven of them, all since week seven. How are they getting these guys involved, and, and who are these guys? What stands out on tape? Uh, speed. Speed's the first thing that stands out. Uh, with Johnson, a converted wide receiver, you know, just fast Get when you get the ball in his hands at a different speed than most tight ends. And Shahid, you know, rhymes with speed. I mean, this kid can go. I think maybe the first time he touched the ball was a touchdown. That's right in his career. So uh, he was injured coming out of college. They obviously saw something in this kid because he can just flat fly. Yeah, and it's been interesting. Andy Dalton, you know, I, I didn't really realize this. Obviously, I'm not following the Saints that closely. He's not playing bad ball at all this year. Quarterback rating right around 168% completion, 17 touchdowns, 7 picks. Last four weeks, he's got the number one quarterback rating in the NFL, 116. What's he doing? Yeah, he's playing at a high level. He really is. Uh, what I think you see with Andy, he's really uh, seen so much football. You get these experienced pros where – you line up, and he knows where you are. He just you watch his computer work and watch him process, and the ball goes exactly where it should go. And he's always been accurate. He's a very accurate passer. So I just think I see a very impressive decision maker playing on time in their offense. All right, flip it to their defense. Demario Davis is as good as it gets in the middle of a defense. Uh, what challenges do they present? And I would say the one good thing is they don't really take the ball away. That's been kind of their Achilles heel this year. They haven't, but you know it's being coached, so it's something that sure. you, know, you always are, are aware of, of ball security and being great with our ball security. And I should point out, we didn't have any giveaways in the last game, which was the first time since Pittsburgh. And you know that's that's how that's how you win. Well, we're three and zero when we have a clean sheet, and under I believe under your tenure, twelve and two all told with a clean sheet. So that's why the emphasis for us will always be <laughs> let's do that, that rock. Yeah, uh, but good, really good defense. I mean, talk about the two edge guys in, in Jordan and Davenport. Length, power, 
And what I'm so impressed with is how hard these guys play. I mean, they play through the whistle. You watch uh, Jordan had an unbelievable fumble versus Tampa Bay where he was running down the field. It was an effort play. So really good. Demario Davis, you mentioned, he's one of the guys that I respect most in this league. Just he is so smart. I can remember being with the Vikings. We had a trick play designed. He didn't bite at all. I mean, he saw it coming from the moment I think we broke the huddle, which blew my mind. So one of those vets that just has seen a lot of football. And then speaking of vets, I mean, Matthew in the back end, May in the back end, just really good players uh, that, that can that can really affect the game. And then Dennis Allen. I think Dennis Allen is, is as good a defensive mind as there is. You like that challenge? Love it. Yeah, I mean, that's part, part of this, the, the fun part, and we talked about this week, is week to week it's a different scheme. And then you're going against a different play caller. And sometimes it's a quarterback or it's the running back or it's the defensive end. Whatever it is, each week is so different. That's why we pour everything you have into that week, and then you pour it right out once the week's over because the new one's coming. Well, Coach, best of luck on Saturday. Hopefully the weather is better than what everybody thinks it might be. And we will be back with more of the Kevin Svansky Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by Browns punter Corey Bohorquez. And Corey, you're on a little bit of a heater here, my friend. I was talking to your head coach, Kevin Stefanski, and and had some superlatives for you. I said, uh, I thought that you'd been scintillating of late. He liked that word. And I said that some of the punts you've hit have been majestic. He liked that word as well. How are you feeling right now? It feels like the last few weeks, certainly, you've really been hitting the ball well. Yeah, I mean, it feels good. It's kind of how the season started off. You know, um, so it was good to just kind of get back into that flow and just kind of finish out the season strong. What's been your favorite punt this year? I think the 61-yarder against the Chargers. That was down at the one. I would say that probably have to be that one. All right. On the free kick in Houston, <laughs> 80 yards in the air, was that – is that as good as you can hit a ball? I mean, that was numb Because um, what? From the 20 to the goal line? To the goal line. So in the was- air. If that was a punt, the line of scrimmage would have been about the 30. Um, I, I have had a couple go a little bit farther than that. Um, okay. But I think distance and hang time altogether, that, that's probably one of the best ones, yeah. I mean, and it was a pretty tight spiral, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. All right, how many punts do you have in your arsenal? Um, I mean, obviously, you got your normal spiral punts. Um, you got your pooch punts, which are like those back spinning ones. Um, yeah. Outside of that, there's some called a hook punt where basically you're looking like I'm aiming like I'm going left and I'll hit that pooch punt back to my right. I've practiced that quite a bit. I haven't really thrown it in a game yet. Um, and then that banana ball that returners seem to not like very much. So what's the, what's the goal with the banana ball to get it knuckling on them on the way down? Yeah. And it kind of uh, curves a little bit too. So I'll kind of hit it down the hash and it'll end up around the sideline usually. Um, and even sometimes when a ball's coming down, it actually comes back towards me. Uh, which, if you watch when, we, when I played Arizona last year, that's what got the returner. He ended up muffing it. We recovered it at the three yard line. So it's a bit of a woozy. A bit of a bit of a woozy. Do you name? Do you have any special names for these punts, or do you just go by what the standard? And that's just kind of what they're called. I mean, yeah. you know, Aussie punts called that just because Darren Bennett had brought it yeah. over for Grand Rules football. He's actually someone I used to work with. Good dude. Um, and uh, banana ball, something they use in Aussie Rules football too. Um, so just kind of go with what it is. All right, so if for for an amateur, 
who just wants to go outside now and just drop the ball and, and hit some bombs. What's the difference in how you drop, let's say, the spiral and what you're trying to do there in terms of how you like to hit it versus we'll call it the banana ball because that one sounds very interesting to me. Okay, so regular spiral. You're, for me, being a lefty, you have the ball kind of flat and then you would turn it in to about 1 o'clock and then the nose just slightly down. Okay. Um, so bringing through it molds up on your foot and will you know spiral off. For a banana ball, the way I hold it, everyone does a little different, is almost as if I'm a right-footed punter. So now I have it turned the opposite way and a little down. And then I hit the back tip of the ball, which gets it to spin sideways. The back tip of the ball. When you're going that specific, like I feel like it would be hard to make sure you still get what you're trying to get. You know what I mean? Yeah, they kind of vary one to the to the next, just, you know, trying yeah. to hit that exact same spot with one of those is a little different. So sometimes, you know, they'll get a little bit higher and more straight. Other times they're a little lower, but more curve on them. So you kind of never know what you're going to get. What's more gratifying to you? A uh, 85 yard in the air bomb spiral with good hang time or when you hit a, a wobbler that you know that the returner is like this son of a gun hit this I'd, banana I'd rather have the one that he's gonna muff because yeah. i just feel like getting the ball back from him and i mean i mean, i guess i don't really feel bad for them but you know it's good for the team getting that ball back and who knows what kind of difference that's gonna make in the game you know absolutely the game changing plays and you've had a lot of game changing ones just from letting the coverage team do their job you think about tampa you had a great ball then they get we get a good tackle. Anthony Schwartz, I think, made the tackle. They get a penalty, and that leads to us getting the ball back and ultimately going on to winning that game. You're a weapon in that regard, and and we've had you know we've had some good punters here. My man Britton Colquitt, fine man, the Scottish Hammer. We've had some good punters, but you've really been a weapon for this team. Is that something that you take a lot of pride in? Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, it's it's more than just giving the other team the ball back. You know, it's an opportunity for us to keep possession of it. And if not, at least put them inside the 20 or the 10. Um, get them to go three. Now, you know, maybe their punter has a crappy one or we get a good return. And now we're at midfield or, you know, sometimes even in field goal range already when we get the ball back. So you had the longest punt in the league the last two years. Career long, 82. You got a 76-yarder this year. Is that the longest in the league this year? I don't know if that is or not. I think someone else has one that's a few yards longer. Are we going to try to dial up the last few weeks, an 80-yarder? I was really hoping uh, the Ravens returner was going to let that first one go because it would have just hit and kept going and (laughs) maybe would have gone, you know, 84 yards, stop at the one. That would have been great. But, you know, he's a little too athletic to just let it go, I guess. Isabel, you guys, obviously, what changed this, this time around? Because, you know, he had the nice return against us the first time. And then this time it put him on lockdown and he's, I mean, he's a pro bowl returner. He's, he's been the best punt returner in the league the last two years. Yeah, he's good. You know, I've played against him since his rookie year. Um, and that's so, I mean, even when he first came out, you know, we played the Ravens in the uh, playoff game a couple years ago in Buffalo. Like he was new to it, but was very dangerous at what he does already. Um, so the big thing is just making sure guys in coverage just, you know, keep their lane integrity and, you know, not buying into him like he's going one way and now everyone overplays him and just opens up the other side of the field for him, you know. So just sticking to that, I think, really helped us a lot. So you're used to this weather, Buffalo, Green Bay, now Cleveland, maybe someday. I hope you don't go anywhere, just to be to be clear about that. But hopefully someday you do get to kick in a nice weather environment at some point in your career. 
year 14 or 15, it wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be against, you know, having one season in an indoor or something to just. Yeah. I noticed Andy Lee went from here to Carolina and then just like, you know what? I think I'm going to go hang out in Arizona for a while. And he's been punting for the Cardinals ever since, which is, that's not bad. Must be nice. Started out in San Francisco. He's actually who I watched growing up. You know, that was like my guy that I looked up to. And so, yeah, he's been pretty lucky to be some nice places. <laughs> so you're the first guy that we've had since we had Andy Lee that like you don't have to know that you're punting the ball, but you can hear it and know you're punting it. Andy Lee, when he hits the ball, I, I'm sure you've been around him. Like oh. it has a distinct sound. You're you're the only guy since then that's got like, oh, he just crushed one sound. How do you, how do you get that sound? Is that just the straight raw power? I mean, I guess it, it's nothing I've ever really practiced. It's just something that kind of happens. You know, I don't really – a lot of guys, I think what gets them is they try to kick the ball hard, and I, I try to be more quick with my leg speed than try and crush the ball. You know, especially the last couple of weeks, one thing I've tried to do is not crush the ball and just try to be real smooth. And if it pops off pretty nice, then, you know, cool. And that's just what's happening. So It's like golf. You Basically. can't try to swing hard. You got to be fast when you hit the ball, but you have to try to do that effortlessly. Yep. That's – Exactly. Right. Do you golf at all? Not very well. No. My wife better than me. She was eight months pregnant and was shooting better than I was. So that gives you any indication of <laughs> how I play. Okay. All right. Well, you know, so I'm in the in the kicking community. Andy Lee, for example, excellent golfer. I think he was like a one or scratch golfer when he was here. I guess I'm just you know the outlier, and it's not not my thing. But I, I do enjoy playing. Well, here's the the, the outlier. You're an ordained minister, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that- all right. So yeah, I I read this. Obviously, you know this is in the media guide. So, Rob Deirdrick is the inspiration for you to be an ordained minister. I'd love this story. Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up watching Robin Big and Rob Deirdrick's yeah. fan factory, and his sister was getting married, and him being just who he was was like, oh, I'm going to do the wedding, and got ordained, and I thought that was pretty funny because you now he's an ordained minister, and I looked into it and. Uh, I think I was like 15 or 16 at the time and filled out the paperwork and stuff. And then next thing I know, you know, ordained minister. Have you done anything with it? No, I have been asked a couple of times to officiate some weddings uh, when I was in Buffalo. And you said uh, no. Didn't time up. You know, I was okay. in wife's family and stuff when they were doing it. So time-wise, it's never worked out. But, you know, maybe one day. So my dad is ordained for this purpose and is married to me. My dad was the dean of the high school I went to, believe it or not, and has married not himself, but he has been the ordained minister for the marriages of some of the students that went to that school. And then when uh, my wife and I got married, it was our buddy, Beatbox, became ordained, and now we call him Minister Box, and Minister Box presided over the ceremony. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. Oh, for sure. The best part is that it, when you finally do officiate one, at the end, you're going to say, by the power vested in me, by whatever it is, church that or whatever organization ordained you it always gets a good laugh too because it's usually some quite Crazy. random thing yeah. yeah oh for sure no you're gonna enjoy that all right the other thing obviously it says in there and this i'm very into classic cars what do you got <laughs> when did it start how did this become uh, an obsession uh growing up uh my dad has a 65 mustang um his brother has a 67 camaro um Ooh. and a 50 ford coupe and his other brother i think has a 49 ford coupe um, okay, so it's in the family. Yeah, everyone's got old cars, basically. So when I was in high school getting that time to get my car, I was like, you know, I want the Mustang, you know, so that his car was supposed to be mine. Um, and then we never got it fixed up. So it just kind of sat there. Um, 
and we were fortunate enough to find one for a pretty good price. So I got a 66 Mustang. Um, and then actually about two or three weeks ago, I just bought a 65 Shelby Cobra. Um, and it's, it's a little scary, but it's fun, you know? And, I bet it. Yeah. Maybe more for the summer months. Yeah. I drove it once. It was about 35 out. And um, as fun as it was, it was absolutely freezing. Um, so, you know, maybe in the spring, I'll bring it back out. Um, nice. But yeah, so my wife said I got my two classic cars and we're good now. So we're good. We're good on that front. (laughs) My first car in high school was a 73 Chevy Nova. Oh, the Novas. Which I thoroughly enjoyed. Bench seats had the inline six. It had uh, the column shifter. It was electric. It was my great uncle's car. So my dad's uncle's car. And that was my hand-me-down. And I was like the worst color. So I took it to like an Earl Scheib and got like a maroon (laughs) metallic paint job on it. It was, oh, I love that car. Oh, yeah, it was cool. I used to think, you know, I was the guy driving around in the Mustang, especially in high school, you know. No doubt. Remember one time in junior college, I went to this burger joint. I'd go hit up sometimes and, you know, a cool guy driving up to the burger joint in a 66 Mustang. And then these three guys pull up in a 67 GT500 next to me like fully refurbished and i was just like ah damn. okay all right take it easy show us <laughs> but yeah it was a lot of fun awesome we'll, we'll end with a little bit of a serious note how's fatherhood changed you and, and how's everything going it's going great you know it's it's something that uh you can't really describe until you experience it you know right. we we did a home birth and it honestly could not have been any better i mean wife's a trooper no drugs nothing she's just I don't need it. You know, she, yeah. Um, Jeez, that's, that's going to be tough for you because I feel like you really can't complain about anything anymore. You can't complain about any maladies. You can't be like, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, my back hurts. She's like, well, well, that's actually what happened. So she, we did in the bathtub and the way I was sitting in the tub, my back was killing me. But if I moved at all and the water started moving, she did not like that very much. And so I'm sitting there like, I'm having the worst back pain of my life right now, but I guess I can't really complain because she's in the middle of giving birth. And I think that's a little more painful than what I got going on. Um, But yeah, I mean, getting to deliver my daughter was, I mean, just absolutely unreal, you know, that's gotta be insane. Yeah. It was crazy. Isn't it crazy how you can touch something for the first time or hold someone, not something, someone for the first time. And like, you feel love, like you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I feel like it's hard to explain or understand until you go through it, you know, and that's, that's the only way to really know what it's like. No doubt. Good words, good times, great balls that you've been hitting lately. It's been a pleasure talking with you and and listen, maybe you're going to get, you know, how our fans are. It would not yeah. surprise me if you're hit up for a request to ordain, you know, preside over some Browns fans weddings now. Hey, who knows? I'm up for it. We'll see if it times out. Corey, yeah. thanks so much, man. Well, thank you. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Wrapping things up next here on the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
Browns fans, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on Saturday with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a Browns autographed item. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. All right, key to victory. It is simple. It's going to be crazy. This is not going to be traditional football. You've got to be the team that makes the fewest mistakes. The reason that this Saints team, with all its talent, sits at 5-9 and nine is because they're dead last in turnover ratio. They are dead last in takeaways. They are third worst in terms of giveaways. The Browns, 3-0 and this year when they've got a clean sheet. When they win the turnover battle, when they are clean, they win football games. That's going to be the key in these crazy conditions at First Energy Stadium this Saturday. 9 a.m., Browns game day with Gerard Cherry and Ken Carmen. 11 a.m., Browns kickoff show with Ken Carmen, Andy Baskin, and Tyvis Powell. And then at 1 o'clock, it's the kickoff. Jim Donovan, Gerard Cherry, and myself from First Energy Stadium. For Meredith Kane and Jason Gibbs, I'm Nathan Zagura thanking you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.